Welcome to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you haven't joined us before, we're passionate about all things internal medicine and helping you become the best tech you can be. We'll be discussing interesting internal medicine diseases, how to work closely with pet parents, and how to become the go-to tech in your practice. Now, let's start the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome back. Thank you so much for listening and making a commitment to learning. I hope everybody's doing well. I did not say the name of our podcast because I was assuming people knew what they were listening to. <laughs> uh, we are your hosts. I am Jordan Porter, joined by the wonderful Yvonne Brandenburg. Hi. Hey. By the way, this is the Internal Medicine for Vetex podcast, although the intro does say it, so I don't think you have to say it here, too. I know. I was thinking about that. And um, <laughs> that's why I didn't. Cause I was like, the very beginning says, welcome to the internal medicine for vet text podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of funny. Cause you know, we don't listen to that before we record. So we, I don't know. I don't always think about it. Well, and I don't listen to it when I edit either. <laughs> you just skip like, I just put part. it in there yeah. and then like, I, I just go to the part where I know I'm going to put the audio. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Yeah. <laughs> So, oh, how fun that is. Everybody's like, oh, that's great. It's technical stuff, guys. I was editing the one episode that um, went out on the 4th of July. Mm. And like, you remember how we had the blooper in the beginning? So I had to like listen to that all over again. <laughs> we still need to do something with that. I know. And I was thinking, I was like, what could I do with that? But uh I'm telling you, Miss Frizzle needed to come and teach me something after that because I was like, what? <laughs> it's okay. It was awesome. <laughs> it was embarrassing. And <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. If we were both really wrong, it was great. Yeah. <laughs> my husband's like, yeah, duh. I'm like, God, oh, stop it. <laughs> Bullshit. He didn't know. He did not know how many, but he did know more than two or three question of the week without looking on google how many countries are actually in north america <laughs> oh my god it's so amazing yeah <laughs> so great because everybody's like i don't know what everybody's talking about talking about editing podcasts talking about continents it's fine yeah. <sighs> anyway this week is a big week though yvonne do you know why oh that's right guess what happy birthday to jordan i love my birthday i love when people <laughs> tell me happy birthday it's like a catch-22 i want i want people to tell me happy birthday but then like <laughs> leave it there like don't do anything else i have your birthday off of work i requested oh, the day off mm-hmm. nice I mean, I originally planned to be traveling that day, but I have not changed it. I'm leaving on Saturday and then come home Sunday. I also requested my birthday off because I was like, you know what? <laughs> I deserve my birthday off. Did you get that approved by your boss yet? <laughs> yeah. And then and then some. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's uh, funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this weekend... This weekend, I'm flying down to UC Conti. So UC Irvine, their Conti conference, which is fun because I did it last year and it's really mm -hmm. cool. Um, it was it was a lot of fun. So I'm looking forward to that. I just got back from AVMA 
last week, technically. <laughs> um, which whew, I feel like this this month is crazy. I'm I'm looking forward to a Your little bit of a chiller. Not doing anything. Yeah, although I'm sure that's gonna change. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, but whatever. Um, we also last weekend had our monthly meeting. So thank you everybody that came for that CE. Um, next month, so in August, on Saturday, August 12th, we're going back to more of our normal schedule. Um, we are talking about renal disease. So definitely if you're in the internal medicine for vet techs membership site, um, remember these, all these CEs, they are race approved are free for you. So you just come, you, we get a certificate to you. Uh, if you're not in the membership, you can sign up for a newsletter and get notified, um, about it, or you can go to internal medicine for vet slash events. Um, and we have a link there for our, um, zoom hub that has all of our upcoming ce's on there so that's always a place that you can bookmark and get to if you want to just keep up to date on them um what else what else uh we're kind of excited because with race approval stuff we are you know because jordan's got her full-time gig at internal medicine for that text uh she's getting some race stuff sorted and figured out that's been a little bit crazy for the last year um but we'll get hopefully the third the quote-unquote third season of the podcast approved um which will be exciting to get we that. should actually be getting a big chunk like yeah. up there soon yeah yeah we'll it, let it, everybody know when that happens yeah i mean and here's the thing like i think we kind of mentioned it in the beginning of July, because that's when some new stuff went into effect. So race, I mean, AAVSB, we love them. They provide race approval for, for CE. Um, one of their big things last year that they changed was when submitting on-demand race, we had to submit all the CE questions, which was five questions per hour <laughs> episode which took us forever because we didn't do that as we went along because we didn't think we had to, because that was a new change. So we're catching up on that, but we're also getting the seasons done. Um, and then yeah. the new changes for this year is it is required to upload attendance rosters to them. So we do, anytime we do our CE, we have to upload our rosters and, that's a whole process we have, too. We do have to ask for like additional information that we never have asked for before. Yeah. And so while it might be a little bit more tedious to sign up for some race approval, I promise you it's <laughs> required and it yeah. is. Just and the thing is, is, is like it changed as of Ju July 1st. So if you're, if you went to conferences earlier this year, you may not have had to have supplied as much information um, going forward you know, you're going to start seeing it kind of trickle down to all these different conferences and different lectures where I think you're going to need to do your name, your, your, um, your address, license number, your address. Yeah. <laughs> it's all stuff that we didn't have to have before, but now we do. So like, I think it's going to make more of a difference for like these like webinars and things like that yeah. versus like for conferences, like you have to fill that out anyway. So it's like, oh yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. But for like, and webinars you have to keep those stuff. records for four years, which, whoo. Right. We got to make sure all of our records are in the same place so we can find it just in case we get audited by, by AAVSB. So yeah. details. 
Anyway, <laughs> uh, expect new race approved content to be in the membership site soon. Uh, I'm very excited about that because that'll put us over a hundred hours of CE. So like, yeah, yeah. Um, we're getting there and yeah. Well that plus the live lectures every month. Yep. Um, and we, I mean, we've got plans. We got plans. As soon as we've got some more information, we'll let you know, but, um, excited about some of the things that Jordan gets to work on now that she's full-time internal medicine for vet techs. I know. <laughs> I'm really jealous as actually what it comes down to because Jordan gets to do all this really cool stuff. And I'm like, I would, but I don't have that time. <laughs> you mean like cursing at Instagram? Yeah, it's been a it's been a blast. Uh <laughs> yeah, you're still dealing with social media. And I, I'm glad I gave that to you. <laughs> I could do without it. Specifically Instagram. Sorry, Instagram. I like it. Instagram's when I don't have pretty. To... Yeah. But but man, trying to yeah. Yeah. Back end side of it is not so much I, fun when you're a business. I know. I know. And then like, <laughs> it's funny too, because people are all like, oh man, these like YouTube creators and content creators have it so easy. Like, how is that even a job? Like it's actually hard work. Like, it's, it's, hard. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> it's so much more difficult than you think it should be. <laughs> like, so true. <laughs> I have a new admiration for social media people. <laughs> like, Seriously. I understand why it's a full-time job for people. Woo. <laughs> yeah. The amount of hours I've put in just in social media posts is like. Yeah. I mean, I hopefully put, things now are, are a little bit. Yeah. It's more steady more, now. But yeah. But I think a few weeks ago, honestly, I probably put in more hours to social media than I did to like podcast episodes. <laughs> like I was just like, holy cow. I'm not even surprised. <laughs> no, like between like even like doing the notes and recording it and editing it, I probably spent more time doing social media. <laughs> so uh, true. <laughs> anyway, if anybody is like a guru at Instagram, please hit me up because like I am not. <laughs> right. Yeah. But oh well. I got it. We got it figured out. Thanks for sticking with me through the growing pains, people. <laughs> Seriously. This week, we're going to be talking about nutritional management of heart disease. I will recommend that you go back and listen to our cardio episodes. We had an episode specifically Ooh, yeah. on uh, DCM and grain-free diets. So that was episode 107. So please go back and listen to that because I am not going to get into the nitty gritty details of that <laughs> specifically. I am going right. to stick with mostly just cardio related diets, which I will say the straightforward this is also, stuff. Yeah. This is also going to be all of these nutrition episodes are like pretty basic just because it's me doing it, not <laughs> BTS <and> nutrition. <laughs> right. um, I very much think that we could probably do a part two on all of these episodes and go a little bit more in detail mm -hmm. um, with someone other than me. Uh, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> so we're just going to talk about mostly heart failure related diets and not uh, dilated cardiomyopathy from grain-free foods. I have a little snippet on grain-free, but not a lot. But like I said, go listen to that episode 107 with the wonderful Ed. He was amazing and he knows all the things about yeah. the heart. So good. I mean, he's he is, was he the editor or the author? Pretty sure he was the author of the um, cardio for internal medicine or 
cardio for veterinary technicians book. Um, I mean, probably he's so pretty smart. smart. Yeah, I think I have it. Yeah. So congestive heart failure in particular tends to be associated with retaining sodium chloride and water. And of course, sodium and chloride combined makes salt sodium chloride. So the retention of sodium chloride in water can actually um, make the salt content of a dog's food very important when managing heart disease in a dog, right? I mean, so, it's the same as people, right? <laughs> like, kinda, which, kinda, it's very similar. If I ever get heart failure, it's going to be a hard like wean off of salt for me. I love salt. Um, I love it. I mean, I feel like everybody getting older just needs to cut back on their salt because of blood pressure issues. I know. Matt gets so <laughs> like grumpy with me when like he makes dinner and like I still sprinkle like a little bit of salt on it. And he makes very flavorful dinners. It's it's not even like about the flavors. I just like salt. Like mm, yeah. So anyway, I would have a very hard time being salt restricted (laughs) seriously i get it (laughs) like so anyway the goals of treatment for heart disease in particular is going to be to minimize the damage that is done to the heart muscle we really want to accumulate or control the accumulation of fluid within the lungs and improve circulation definitely want to focus on regulating heart rate and rhythm And then, of course, we want to ensure that there is enough oxygen in the blood and minimize the risk of blood clots. So there's a lot of things to look at when it comes to the goals of treating congestive heart failure. But the goals of a diet for heart disease is not to treat. It's just to reduce further impact. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say it's to... It's to make it so it's not as detrimental (laughs) as difficult as it would be for the heart right we want to make it as easy as possible for the heart to be able to do its thing um and it's you know yes it sounds stupid that diet is very easy to do but it is it's a very easy thing to do that can potentially do a lot of help for yeah and i will say when doing these notes like it was a lot of Well, the diet's been modified to help with the effects of medication that treat heart Mm. disease. So um, there is a process when a pet has congestive heart failure where they lose lean body mass of the heart. It's called cardiac cachexia. And so that if we're losing muscle, um, muscle lean body mass of the heart we're losing lean muscle mass of that heart it has detrimental effects on the strength um of the heart the immune function of the heart and the survival right like i can't even imagine like the heart losing muscle mass like it is a muscle (laughs) like it needs to keep as much muscle mass as it normally has and it's constantly moving so it's like to lose muscle while it's still working right like it's just like why um there's other factors that can also contribute to cardiac cachexia and that's going to include things like anorexia increased energy requirements right because mm-hmm. the heart's not being able to do it and then m- metabolic alterations that can happen so uh sometimes we can see 
metabolic changes with these things and just because fluids are flowing in and out of cells differently yeah um there's also inflammatory cytokines specifically tumor necrosis factor interleukin one uh that appears to be the primary reason behind cardiac cachexia so It's like the process triggers these inflammatory cytokines to then unfortunately go attack the heart. (laughs) Right. And I mean, if you think about it, like high blood pressure Mm -hmm. can definitely cause inflammation. Right. And so that's, that's scary. (laughs) Like, uh, it's just, uh, the heart always makes me anxious to talk about because it's so sensitive and it's so like, it's life. <laughs> like it's life. <laughs> Don't tell the cardio VTSs. Jeez. You're going to listen to it and be like, oh, that's right. Can't live without the heart. I know. You know, I said it. Every, every ACVIM, every ACVIM, it's like cardio has to be the best. Neuro has to be the best. And I'm like, Pff. I mean, internal medicine is the best because we have everything. <laughs> we are homeostasis. <laughs> We are homeostasis. Exactly. You can have heart uh, disease and still be pretty darn sick. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> anyway. Um, okay. So when we're talking about diets specifically for pets with congestive heart failure, we're going to be really looking at decreasing that sodium intake. So we're going to look at restrictions of 0.08% to 0.25% on a dry matter basis. And then the chloride too should also be restricted, right? We want to restrict both sodium and chloride. Um, And so chloride chloride should be restricted to 0.12% to 0.38% dry matter. Um, Do you know um, what normal is? So normal in healthy dogs is 0.3. Yeah. And so they're looking for restriction. So it could be upwards of only a 0.05% reduction, right? Like, but if you go to the extreme end, that's like a third of the amount of sodium. Yeah. Right. Like, so anywhere from a third to half. Huh. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, it is interesting. But why, why would lowering sodium chloride in dog food, like, what's it going to do? Like, we're not preventing further heart disease. It's Mm-mm. like, what? It's, <laughs> it's just to help slow down the damage that's being done. Yeah. Like, does that make sense? Like, it's not, mm-hmm. it's not going to fix it. It's still nope. going to get, it's still going to weaken and it's still going to get damaged. Like it just hopefully slows down the progression of disease. Like that's yeah. And quality of life and all that fun stuff. Same with people, right? I mean, same stuff yeah so usually at the first sign of heart disease foods are being chosen with low sodium content so sometimes this just means simply just talking to an owner and telling them to avoid treats and table foods that are high in sodium and then eventually maybe adjusting the diet right because sometimes those treats i mean that and you don't need to add salt and pepper to your your dog's food like no. you don't need to they, but i'm just thinking like straightforward the, like chicken breast 
that's not yeah. salted. <laughs> yeah. But like the bacon that my dog sometimes Ooh, gets. Yeah. <laughs> they probably well, that's the table that. food. It's high in sodium. It's just like people. <laughs> and fat. I know. Wow. I do love bacon though. I do not add salt to bacon. Thank God. I know. That would be Matt a would, little bit crazy. <laughs> Matt would, yeah, Matt would be like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> like, right? Like, I have I a salt deficiency. <laughs> I know. I would instantly prune up. I would do that, Ooh. though, if I was, like, carrying excess water, maybe. I don't recommend. I'm just kidding, people. Oh, I'm my God. On. No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, potassium. So, usually in our heart failure pets, we should be monitoring past potassium levels in, in our pets. But supplementation might be needed if dogs are on certain diuretics and so usually a good level of potassium in a diet is going to be 0.4 percent to 0.52 percent dry matter but like i said if a dog is on or a cat is on certain diuretics we might need to monitor that potassium and possibly supplement um there is ACE inhibitors and spironolactone that can increase potassium retention and some animals receiving those specific medications can actually develop hyperkalemia. So there are some made commercial heart diets that do contain supplemental potassium in it. And so those diets can also contribute to hyperkalemia. So it's one of those things where it's really going to de- depend on the pet. And we should probably probably be looking at these contents before prescribing them. <laughs> well, and not only that, but I mean, I, I know when I would help out in the cardio department, anytime patients came in and they were on ACE inhibitors or spironolactone, spiron- we always did like, just like the iStat, which had the yeah um, electrolytes um, PCV and glucose and stuff like that, but they really just looked at the electrolytes just to make sure, you know, sodium potassium levels were normal. And then we didn't have to do any supplementing. So, yeah. Like the main goal is really to just not swing too far one way or the other. It's homeostasis people. (laughs) Yup. I'm going to make that just the clip and like enter it into every podcast episode. (laughs) Homeostasis. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, the next thing that we can look into supplementing is going to be omega-3 fatty acids. So the omega-3 fatty acids, specifically DHA and EPA, are thought to help stabilize heart muscle cells. And so mm-hmm. when we look at, like we, we talked about the cytokines and how they can be damaging, right? Inflammatory cytokines. And cytokines mm-hmm. in particular, when they're circulating, they can cause anorexia, they can cause increased energy requirements and a loss of lean body mass, which we know all three of those things can be detrimental to the heart specifically. Yep. So um, one goal is to block that process from happening. So those inflammatory cytokines from circulating and causing damage. And one way that we think we can do this is by adding in omega-3 fatty acids. And so fish oil in particular actually does decrease cachexia and in some animals with heart failure induced anorexia, Mm -hmm. it even can improve food intake. I mean, that makes a lot of sense if, because it's combating those cytokines and stuff. So it's interesting. Like I think about, um, you know, our patients that like a cytokine storm, they yeah. wonder how much, that's like, what I was thinking. I was, some I was just like, omega threes with it. 
it's almost like pretty much any internal medicine patient should be on omega-3 fatty acids oh my god so true like Uh anything with some potential like inflammatory response (laughs) should just go on some omega-3 fatty acids on that note i should probably start taking some omega-3 fatty acids (laughs) i know especially with my salt intake Uh, (laughs) oh my god you're killing me i know it's all right so usually the good news is is with heart issues nutritional deficiencies such as like vitamins and minerals and stuff are pretty uncommon unless an animal is eating like a homemade or unbalanced diet and by homemade i don't mean like a nutritionist certified like recipe like i mean right. like my family who likes just a to whatever just diet. chicken and rice yeah like, yeah oh god they, the chicken and rice diet i'm like that's not balanced <sighs> no it's great for tummy aches yeah for like minimal amount of time as long as they're not having tummy aches because they're allergic to chicken details yvonne uh (laughs) sorry so there used to be like protein restriction with our congestive heart failure but there's been no evidence to prove that like protein restriction is actually needed in patients Mm. with heart issues um and they think that which makes sense. They think that if we protein restrict in our diets with heart failure, then we might actually be leaning pets more towards that le- that loss of lean body mass, which makes mm. sense. Yeah, I, it's kind of crazy because I like I think about it, and this happens all the time with like they recommend the renal diets because it is restricted in sodium, but then the protein is not mm. appropriate for the heart. So that's, that's hard, especially because I've definitely seen those patients that like have like anorexia or whatever, and renal diets tend to be tasty and yeah, you know, it's like, it's interesting that, hmm. Yeah. So I I guess it's like, do you supplement with some protein just to kind of help? I don't know. I mean, I guess you could, but usually, (laughs) yeah, right. (laughs) Usually, uh, like those renal diets shouldn't be used in heart cases unless the renal dysfunction Ooh. is so severe that it's just, oh my God, the renal the cardio other. patient, <laughs> renal cardio patients are the worst. <laughs> yeah. They're the complete opposite of how you treat them, which is horrible. You mean like slow and steady? No, I just mean because in cardio patients, we want to reduce the amount of fluids in their system. Oh. Versus in renal patients, we need them to have as much fluid in their system to kind of, you know, diurese them. So it's, it's horrible when they have both. Um, plus they usually have high blood pressure. And so you're dealing with that. It's, I hate our renal congestive heart failure patients. It's, they're so difficult to deal with because, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So luckily since the late 1980s you know around the time i was born uh (laughs) there's been a dramatic decrease in the amount of feline uh dcm cases because of taurine being recognized as like an essential nutrient uh for for these pets so we see a lot less dilated cardiomyopathy in cats because of the supplementation of taurine that was added to commercial foods so most of the current cases of dcm are not taurine deficient, but 
we should still suspect it and check it. Yeah, especially if they're if they're being fed a non-commercial diet, because most commercial diets are going to be AFCO recognized and balanced. But if they're not doing that, that's when we start getting suspicious about taurine deficiency. There are some dogs that can present with taurine deficiency with Mm -hmm. when they have dilated cardiomyopathy there's certain breeds where it's really just unlikely that they're going to have a a taurine deficiency and that's going to include breeds like our boxers and our dobermans but there are breeds that we really need to suspect it um and that's going to be things like our newfoundlands golden retrievers cocker spaniels um it can be atypical but sometimes we can see it in corgis and basset hounds so that is one thing the only one i've ever seen has been a golden retriever Really? I just mm-hmm. figured it would, I just assumed it would be a cocker. <laughs> like, <No>. just... <laughs> <laughs> they have all the other diseases. No, no, <laughs> the golden retrievers are the ones. That's why that... I figured they would be like, let me get on that taurine deficiency bandwagon. <laughs> like, why not? I got everything else. <laughs> I'm close enough to a cat. Like, why not? <laughs> that's so true. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So, you know, that's interesting. I don't think I knew that before. I may hmm. have learned it in tech school. I don't know. I think in tech school, we talk about taurine deficiency in cats for sure. Yeah, but I don't think I we touched on it in dogs. I think they were just no, like, yeah, you don't so. really see it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we don't. We don't really see it. Um, it's very uncommon. But that also depends on your area. Because again, in tech school, I learned about how heartworm disease kills dogs, just kill murders, just mosquitoes, murdering dogs all over the place. And then <laughs> I get down to Georgia and they're like, yeah, we see heartworms all the time. <laughs> right. Yeah. Anyway. Um, there are, I kind of talked about it a, a little bit, but there are some cardiac medications that do have a risk of nutrient depletion. And magnesium is one of those things that we kind of have to be aware of because we can see certain medications in, increase the risk of hypomagnesium, magnesiemia. <laughs> That's a fun word. <laughs> magnesiemia. <laughs> magnesiemia. I love it. <laughs> It sounds yeah, I mean, and like magnesium are made up, but right, yeah. <laughs> magnesium isn't on your standard panel, so like you typically Ugh. have to specifically get the slide or get the whatever the cartridge or whatever to test for it, um, because it's but, not part of the normal. But it should remember, be. <laughs> if you can't get potassium up, though, sometimes that means that your magnesium is too low. Yeah. So, you can also check that too, where you're like, man, we've been treating this potassium forever. <laughs> and like, mm-hmm. it's just not going up. You should look at the magnesium because low magnesium can increase the risk for decreased cardiac contractility, arrhythmias. We can see increased muscle weakness. We can also see it contribute to renal potassium loss. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause again, we need magnesium to hold on to potassium. <laughs> and so if the magnesium is not there to hold onto the potassium, then that potassium is just getting urinated out. So um, magnesium might need to be monitored or supplemented if they're on some heart medications. Yeah. There are some pretty good cardiac related balanced diets, Royal Canin being one of them. They have the veterinary diet canine cardiac and Hill's prescription diet HD is the one that I'm most familiar with. Yep. Like I said, I'm not going to talk about it because we already have an episode on it. Again, episode 107. But in July 2018, the FDA 
had begun investigating reports of dogs developing dilated cardiomyopathy. And it was found that in dogs eating certain pet foods, many of them labeled as grain-free, they actually contain high, yeah, they contain high amounts of peas and lentils and other legume seeds, sometimes potatoes in various forms. Um, And all of those were listed typically as the main ingredients. So usually listed within the first 10 ingredients on the ingredient list and before vitamins and minerals. And so again, more than 90% of these products were grain-free. And then 93% of them reported to have peas and or lentils in them. And so it's thought that that specific protein is leading to. The only issue with it, and this is where, this is why it's so confusing, is the big three were not on that list whatsoever. And they have prescription diets that are grain free that have peas and lentils. So it's just, it's this weird, confusing thing of like, well, why is it that the big three don't have the issues that we were seeing with the DCM and dogs versus these boutique diets did? Um, And so that's the crazy part is we still don't totally understand why the food was leading to DCM. And they know it was the food because as soon as they were switched off of those foods within, I think it was like three to six months their heart function returned to almost normal. So um, yeah, it's just, it's this bizarre thing. And that's, and that's the thing, right? We talked about it in last episode is we don't know everything about how nutrition affects patients, Um, but it does hundred percent does. So um, which is crazy, but yeah. yeah. Nutrition. I know. It's crazy. I'm telling you, we could, we should probably do a part two and actually bring a VTS on and just go more in depth. We could. Yeah. So hit me up, <laughs> nutrition peeps. My email is Jordan <laughs> at internal medicine vettex.com. Um, that is all I got though on this nutritional management of heart disease topic. I hope you guys learned something I did and I always learn something. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that was happy fun. birthday it to was me. A little bit of a shorter... <laughs> happy birthday, Jordan. <laughs> um, it is a little bit of a shorter episode this week, which we kind of had a feeling it might be. So, um, because diets for cardiac are not as um crazy as like diets for the GI. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so cool. Well, awesome. Everybody Thank wish you guys. Uh, Jordan a happy birthday on Friday, the 28th. But only once. Only once. Don't talk um, about it again. I don't want anybody singing me happy birthday. I just want you to tell me happy birthday. No, it's going to happen. Don't worry. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I right. like, I like a little bit of attention. I don't like all the attention. <laughs> like, don't worry. We'll get you all the attention on Friday. All right. Well, on that note, thank you everybody for listening. I hope everybody has a wonderful week and we will talk to you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you like what you heard, we'd love for you to share with someone you think might enjoy the podcast and make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Want to give us a boost? Please leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher, and we'll be sure to say thank you. Find out everything about us at 
internalmedicineforvettechs.com. Talk to you next week. Bye.